Welcome to the Inspired Women Podcast. I am your host, women's empowerment coach and motivational speaker, Megan Hall. And on this podcast, I'm going to connect you with inspirational women who will share their real stories. And we're going to chat about topics relevant to women today. I'd love to continue to support you on your life's journey. Please join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. Thank you for tuning in today and enjoy the show. Hey guys, today I'm here with Sarah. When Sarah Clark was 28 years old, she received a diagnosis of premature ovarian failure. She accepted the diagnosis and had both her children through in vitro fertilization. Years later, she realized the root cause of her infertility was a food intolerance. She is a certified life coach with with accreditation from the International Coaches Federation and a health coach with training from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She is the author of Fabulously Fertile, Supercharge Your Fertility Naturally, Fabulously Fertile Cookbook, and Fertility Preparation Program. Her fertility coaching program, which includes functional lab testing, supports couples to make diet and lifestyle changes that dramatically improve the chances of a healthy pregnancy and baby, which I think is so important. Like I was saying earlier to Sarah is, I think so many times in the health field, people are focused on quick fixes, where we really want to focus on the, you know, healing the whole person. Uh, On her Get Pregnant Naturally podcast, which if you're listening to podcasts and you enjoy this topic, you should tune into Sarah's podcast as well. It's so easy. That's how I get hooked on so many podcasts because I'm listening to one and they're like, oh, and they have a podcast too. I'm going to listen to that one. And I listened to like 30 podcasts. I have a problem. She shares that with functional medicine and natural fertility solutions, we can eventually reverse infertility. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. So Sarah, take us back. Take us back. That intro, your bio kind of brought us into introducing us to what you went through. So take us back to when you first realized there might be something wrong here. Yeah. So it really, it started uh, in my early twenties. So I had uh, irregular periods and, um, and at that point I thought it was a good thing because I didn't get my period all the time. I got right. a couple like a regular, it was like a couple times a year. I'm like, okay. And before that, the periods were like, they were heavy. I remember like almost passing out when they came and, um, and yeah, just not feeling very, very good. So then I, I had a regular periods and then I also had, um, this weird fungal rash on my chest started getting dandruff um, all of a sudden. And then I had great skin through my teenage years and all of a sudden started getting pimples on my chin. Mm. And even though it was kind of, there's only a few, you know, when you have, when you have their meal, you just want to throw a bag over your head. So, um, <laughs> and then, and then I had this plan where I was going to get married at 25 and I have kids at 28. So 25 got married. And then at 28, the periods were still irregular, still, you know, a couple times a year. And, and I, I, I hadn't really gone and checked this out, but I thought, okay, well, I better go to my OBGYN and check this out. So then I was given the diagnosis when I went to see her of premature ovarian failure, which is a loss of function of the ovaries before age 40. Okay. And, and basically told my only way, my only option to, to have children was with donor eggs. So I was, yeah, so I was 28 when I received that diagnosis. I remember she like reached up on her shelf, grabbed the, the um, IVF uh, brochure and said, off you go to the, uh, to the fertility clinic. So yeah, and I had no clue that any of those other symptoms I was talking about were connected to my fertility. Yeah, that's, uh, and a lot of people, we've actually had a couple different episodes where we talk about fertility because it is a big 
taboo subject for women. So I'm a, I'm passionate about talking about the taboo subjects because the more we know, the better we can do. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of similar symptoms amongst the stories of these different things, you know, like either like severe acne or, you know, like you said, irregular periods or this different things that went on that even if you'd seen a doctor for sometimes, like you said, they misdiagnose you because they focus I'm not bashing doctors out there, so please don't get me wrong, anybody listening, but they focus on the problem and the symptom instead of like this whole person approach, you know, because we're a whole, we're a machine. So we're like, yes, you could change out this cog and help it kind of work. There's still that problem way back that you got to work on. So she told you premature ovarian failure. How, what was that like for you? Like, how did you feel after you left that doctor's office? I was just in shock. I was like, what? I went in and I did not expect to get that news. Who expects to be? And I remember like I was, I always joked in my early twenties, I was having menopausal hot flashes and, you know, fan my face as I was in HR interviewing people. I'd be like, huh, huh, huh. Well, yeah, it turns out that it was. So um, I, yeah, that was shocking to me, but because I'm a person of action, I had, I just went straight into action. I went straight to the fertility clinic thought that that was my only option to, to go and have donor eggs. And we, were lucky, and we were lucky enough on the first fresh transfer to have our daughter and Ava is going to be 17. So this wow. is like back in the day when yeah. you said donor eggs and people are like, I don't even know what that is. And now because of our standard Western diet and lifestyle, it's a lot more common donor eggs. And there's even, even donor embryos. So, um, so there are all these little embryos are left over from all these different um, IVF cycles. So there's, there's embryo adoption and embryo donation where people, I interviewed someone from my podcast where she, where she um, adopted a little embryo and the, the natural siblings to this embryo are 13 years old and she just had her little baby last year. So it's like wow. super crazy. Um, but what, yeah, what science can, can do to help us. Um, right. So yeah, I was lucky enough to have my daughter on the first fresh transfer and then I had two embryos left over, wanted to have my kids close together, went back in there. And at that one didn't work. So I had to go on a separate list for another donor egg. And, and then we had our son, Will, and, Will, and Will's 14. So it's, yeah, many years ago. And, and then my health began to suffer after that. But really it was, um, yeah, I wasn't able to, to, to figure out some of those different health issues that were connected to my, my fertility until years later and wasn't even really able to, not, not grieve, but yeah, grieve about that. I actually felt that I had it better that I was able to like, oh, you, you can just go to donor eggs. There's, there's, there's the clear path. I felt, right. I felt bad for people that have gone through years and years and years of, of IVF and trying to make it work with their own site. I thought I had it better, whereas people would look at me with donor eggs going, oh my goodness, that's the last step. Like getting POF is a, is a devastating diagnosis. And I coach a lot of people that are, that are going through this because it is, it is so devastating. We're like, wait a minute, a young woman the prime of your life saying, sorry, you're, you can't have your own biological children. And, luck, and luckily enough, there's, there's option now. And then also looking at functional medicine, which is like the, the future of conventional medicine, which doesn't just take the, the diagnosis. It looks at the whole body, like you were saying. Yes. My mm -hmm. favorite kind of medicine, right? Yeah. Now. I yeah, do. Definitely. 
that's the kind of warm and fuzzies I get when I, people start talking about functional medicine. I'm like, yes, that's my jam. Yeah. It's my, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I can't say it's my jam because I don't know. I'm not knowledgeable enough about it, but like we talked about earlier, I'm going to school for psychology. Mm-hmm. A lot of psychological problems are linked to this whole person approach. Now, not all mind you, I'm clinically depressed. Um, so all of my, taking a functional approach, I can minimize my depression symptoms, but they're not going to completely go away, right? There's more to it. But what I like, and, and the reason I brought up psychology is for me, I think psychologists go wrong when they just focus on, oh, you have depression. Let's treat this depression versus, oh, we got to treat this whole person. What's their environment like? What have they been through? What have, you know, all these things that lead up to what's going on. And the same goes for the physical portion of functional medicine. It's a whole person, you know, what's going on in your gut, like with your gut bacteria might affect your home or your hormones and and your fertility. And it's, it's so fascinating. It's just fascinating to me. I love learning about stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So you said that you didn't have time to grieve. So when did it hit you that this was something that you, you should you know, grieve? Yeah, like it is probably not until years later, just because I was just like a person of action. I think my, my health. So after I had my daughter, I had uh, like nine colds. Every cold went into a science infection. I thought it was a great idea to take antibiotics for all those, all those different oh. science infections. Oh, yeah. Just blew out every last beneficial bacteria in the gut, just obliterated it. I, be, I started getting chronic bladder infections, like peeing blood, oh. um, became allergic to all the different antibiotics. One point I thought I had fleas, but no, it was the hives from the antibiotics. Then I had these yeast infections, like chronic yeast infections, and then like toenail infections, the skin, the, the dandruff, the I, 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 vertigo, headaches, all these things. I was still functioning, still doing my thing, but my immune system was in the the toilet. It had just been like compromised beyond belief. And then I took, um, I was in HR at the time. I took a life coaching course because I was bringing coaching into the corporate environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during that, that coaching course, that's when I discovered um, health coaching. I, I, I really like health coaching, uh, health and wellness. Then I, brought a, then I took a health coaching course. And then that's where I discovered I had these food sensitivities. So for me, it's dairy, gluten, and corn. Took those out and then looked at gut infections even you know, years later. I had streptococcus, I had fungal overgrowth, I had H. pylori, a bunch of other gut infections going on. And then as I healed those, using all the, like using nutritional therapies, using lifestyle, looking at sleep and movement and mindset piece around this, right? Because I'm all like- important things. Yeah, like, it, like we believe in it all. And it's not just like this one piece, it's like all of it looking at a holistic mm-hmm. thing, right? And I'm so in the, the masculine energy and I'm just, I'm digging into this a lot lately. Like the, the masculine of like, do, do, mm-hmm. achieve, check it off the list. And then the feminine of, you know, is seen, is seen perhaps as weak of like being vulnerable, being creative, like all these different things. And I was like so far over there that I hadn't even tapped into the other side of it. So um, looking at it all. And yeah, you talked about the, um, the, like the, the psychological piece of that. My favorite um, uh, practitioner and author on that. This is uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan, and she's written, I'm sure you heard the book, uh, A Mind of Your Own. So she's um, MIT, um, uh, from, she's uh, MIT and Cornell um, um, studied there, and she was a, a psychologist in, so I think it's a, psychi- no, a psychiatrist in New York City, mm-hmm. and then moved over to be a holistic women's um, um, psychiatrist and really taking a functional medicine approach and her 
approach to looking at like the gut as the looking at the brain is, is huge. Cause she was just, I'm done writing prescriptions for medications. Right. I want to look at the whole body. That's where I'm at. That's what, yeah. that's what fascinates yeah. me. But you got to meet people where my theory is you got to meet people where they're at. Well, Absolutely. somebody's not going to come to somebody cause they have depression and you know, go into a functional medicine doctor. You got to be that in between. So I'm Absolutely. like psychologist cause somebody, if they're struggling with anxiety, depression, anything like that, they're going to go to a psychologist. And so I could be that person that was, you know, starts digging into like, what's going on here? Like, what's your environment? Like, what is your, what is your nutrition? Like, you know, are you getting exercise? All the things that go into like, what makes us, I'm, I'm a life coach right now, but I really found it fascinating that deeper dive. And that's what I want to do with like uh -huh. how the body affects the brain and the brain affects the body and yeah. all the fun stuff. So this, it. this stuff just get, gets me so pumped up. I'm yeah. so excited about this. Yeah. So you saw all this, what kind of, what kind of changes did you have to make? Where did it start? Where did you start making the changes? Yeah, I started with diet. So for me, and a lot of people, diet is the last piece, but diet to me is to look at the, fir the first piece. So I took out dairy and gluten and corn, um, took those out of my diet, and then slowly those symptoms all went away. Like I, I couldn't, I was peeing blood all the time. I didn't know what the heck I was going to do about this bladder infection because literally I was getting one every week. It mm -hmm. just became chronic. I, and I was backed up against the wall because the antibiotics weren't, weren't working anymore. And they're talking about doing scopes and all this kind of different stuff. And I'm like, so when I discovered this connection between a food sensitivity and some of these different health issues I was experiencing, especially the, the upper, you know, the upper respiratory. And as I took those, those foods and calmed the inflammation down in my body, lo and behold, they started to go away. And so, yeah, food. And when we work with people, we, we look at, um, we look at doing an elimination diet. So you take out the top allergens, which are dairy, gluten, soy, corn, peanuts, and eggs. Take those over 10 days, then systematically reintroduce them. And then we look at a food sensitivity test to see exactly what you're intolerant to. We look at the LEAP MRT. It looks at 170 foods and 170, 170 food chemicals. So um, at back, back then, I, I, I didn't take any of that testing. I did the, elim the elimination diet and really it is the big piece of this because some people can do a food sensitivity test and never actually even take the foods out. They could get this test back and it could be super overwhelming. They're like, oh, I'm intolerant to all my favorite foods where you have to really suck it up and go through the elimination diet, which is very, is it is short term. So it's not forever. So it's only 30 days in length um, to really see how each food impacts your body. And then as you reintroduce it, they're like, oh, corn, you know, I've had people, corn flares up my asthma. Like for me, corn just makes my digestion off. For me, bringing back in dairy, it like headaches and, and the bladder. Gluten, like gluten to me, like I just interviewed uh, Dr. Tom O'Brien for my podcast. He's like done all sorts of, um, all kinds of summits on gluten. He was the original gluten-free summit. He's, he's got a book on the New York Times, he on the, actually on the Amazon bestseller right now called Fix Your Brain. Um, so a lot of research in, in with, uh, with gluten and so non-celiac -glu non gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. And just talking about the 85% of people are intolerant to gluten. So, you know, we're in the middle of the gluten-free craze. I just had uh, gluten-free tortillas today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I'm not, um, I wouldn't say I'm allergic to gluten, but I do find that I'm less bloated and yeah. everything when I don't have it. So I just, for the most part, try to avoid it. 
-hmm. you know, and what I want people listening to take away is food intolerance is a scale. So some people, it's going to affect people way more than it will somebody else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like you said, dairy, corn, gluten, the things we're told to that, you know, they, they, you do generally have intolerances for where one person, am I just, you know, might give them bubbly guts. The other person, am I be causing the things like you said, like it might be causing migraines, might be causing asthma, might be causing some severe health problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's different. So it's to do the elimination diet. So you know what it does for you because two weeks later, because typically you could be intolerant to your favorite food two weeks later when you, when you go to have it. And if you haven't written it down, you'll forget and kind of go, Oh, I like my clients. It's like, Oh, what's happening every Tuesday. You're getting a headache. Oh, on the weekends I'm having some pizza. Oh, okay. Right. So that's why the migraine's coming. Dang pizza. <laughs> why you got to do that? Yeah. So and there's lots of good gluten-free options, gluten-free pizzas out there. But um, yeah, to look at the, like to look at the diet piece first. And I think that's where people, um, they want to look at it last. Cause it's yeah. hard. It's hard. Like changing your diet and especially the cultural thing. People are like, why are you, why are you eating that way? That must suck. You know, this is horrible. And I'm like, you know, I used to eat a plate of brown food. So I now eat like awesome, vibrant, like delicious food. There is no deprivation. I have treats. It's not, there's no suffering. And I, and I feel good is the thing. So it's just really to be like your own, your own advocate and see what, what's working for you. And yeah, there's going to be pressure and people are going to be like, yeah, why are you doing that for? Cause it's, you know, our society likes to celebrate around food. So, but. So maybe somebody listening is like, so if you had reversed that intolerance back then, would you, would it have reversed your fertility problems? Well, that's my thing. So I didn't discover this till I was 40. I was fully in menopause. And so I was no longer cycling naturally. So if you're still cycling naturally, there's things we can do. We could, you know, look at the food sensitivity, calm down the, calm, calm down the inflammation in the body, looking at potential gut infection. So if you've got this food sensitivity that came up, does then that predispose, so you've got leaky gut, the body mounts an immune response. Does that then predispose you to a gut infection? So parasites, you've got people coming with multiple parasites, worms, fungal infections, um, streptococcus, bacterial infections, all sorts of things. Like I've had someone with, it was low ovarian reserve and she had like nine different bacteria, parasite, all kinds of things. It was told, you know, donor, donor, donor eggs are her only option. Well, there's stuff going on in here. Let's heal the gut and see, and see what happens. So it's, it is, um, just taking that functional approach to figure out why, and, um, and just, you know, just because you're intolerant to the food right now, and if you do have a leaky gut, you could go do a food sensitivity test and it could come back that you're intolerant to all your favorite foods. But as you calm down the inflammation, you may be able to re, you know, to, to rechallenge them later. Potentially, potentially gluten and dairy are the two top ones. You may never be able to bring those back in potentially. Um, but you know, if, and people that I work with are, are, are looking to have a baby. So taking the food out, it's kind of like, okay, I can do that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of times, I mean, we've mentioned many times on the podcast about how important nutrition is. But like you said, it's really hard for people to change because this is where the where I get angry at the, you know, diet industry and the weight loss industry is because they're focusing on temporary fixes. Well, of course, you're going to lose weight if you calm down your inflammation in your gut because you don't, aren't eating certain things. And of course, you're going to lose weight if you're eating 1,200 calories a day, like ridiculous things like that. 
But what happens when we start to reintroduce and go back to our old ways because it's temporary mm-hmm. and then all hell breaks loose again. So the same, the same goes for your, your clients is of course, if constantly they're eating things that are causing these inflammatory responses, then it's going to start affecting other areas of their body. Mm-hmm. So we talked about food. What are some other things that you have seen with your clients that have affected their fertility? Yeah. So we look at, so we look at diet and then we also look at a Dutch test. So that looks at the, um, their hormones using urine. So four times throughout the day using urine. So it looks at your, your, your stress hormones, looks at your melatonin and all your sex hormones. And that kind of tells us exactly what's happening with your hormones and and where they're going. So serum just doesn't really give us that, 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 that big picture. And then we look at the, this, the stool test. It looks at the DNA of the stool. Again, we look at parasites, you know, bacteria, um, yeast. And then after we, we, we get the results of those, those three tests, then we develop this customized program. So we're looking at um, personalized diet for you. We're looking at movement. So, you know, are you moving? For, so for fertility, you want to make sure, like, now is not the time to train for the marathon. Right. So, yeah. So you want to do, like, we look at fertility yoga or brisk walking or high-intensity interval training but not for like an hour, um, you know, 10, 15 minutes. So sort of a short burst, um, weight training. So, so movement that's right for you. Um, so it's not like sitting on the couch and doing nothing. It's still, you need to move your body, especially if you're going through, like if you've got some detox things to be able to move the lymph to, to, you know, to get the, the toxins out of your body. Um, we work with people for months on sleep hygiene. The number of people that have dysregulated sleep, even, you know, getting up to go to the bathroom two, three, four, five times a night, um, which then impacts your insulin levels, which then impacts right. your hormone levels. So like sleep hygiene, getting to bed, you know, before 1030, if you can having yes. like maybe some essential oils, maybe, maybe if you have a nice, like an Epsom salt bath, so some magnesium, um, you know, uh, and getting, getting that between seven to nine hours of restorative sleep maybe adding in some visualization. So like all, it sounds like it's like this whole whack of a list, but over slowly over time, as you add these things in and really to me, prioritizing sleep is huge because that can then you'll be able to then look at other things. Cause if you are going around dragging your butt, cause you're getting, you're not getting restorative sleep it impacts your decisions on your food and in your relationships and all sorts of things. So it's like a foundational pillar. I couldn't agree more. And I always recommend to people, and I'll link it up in the show notes, the Sleep Smarter book by Sean Stevenson. He gives some really awesome tips on how to maximize your quality of sleep. So, and he also goes into the ins and outs of what sleep affects, like your immune system, your hormone regulation, your metabolism, like all of these things that people may not know listening that they're like, I had no idea that that if sleep, sleep, this very basic thing that we're supposed to do affects all of these things. And we're talking about infertility. So sleep affects your hormones that could affect your infertility, like your fertility that's going on here. So love that you brought up fertility. So little changes, we're focusing on little changes here. So any, anything else that you want to add to the things that you, you um, go yeah, over? So sleep. Yeah, we look at environmental toxins. So having people switch out their personal care, their cleaning chemicals, their water. Um, it's not to throw everything out immediately, but to be aware as things start to 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 leave to to you know to um, 
to to switch out to a more natural product. And you can go go to the environmental working group. Or My babe. Yeah, ewg.org or the skin date the skin deep database, and you can um, look at your products, and they'll give you a rating on there to see how it is. Um, and then. Um, yeah, another thing is to look at your feminine hygiene. A lot of us are using pads and tampons that I think 85% of, of, of conventional tampons are sprayed with glyphosate. Glyphosate right. is a herbicide linked to um, infertility and a whole host of other stuff. And you're putting it there in your most delicate spot. So um, right. looking at a diva cap or... Thinks, um, the Thinks underwear. I have those. Do you have them? Okay. You have, yeah. What, yeah. What do you think of them? Do you like them? I like them. Yes. Yeah. It was a little bit of adjustment at first. Uh, because you, you're getting used to free flowing. You're like, Oh my God, yeah. I'm going to bleed everywhere. <laughs> yeah. But I actually do really enjoy them. They're really convenient. And I don't, you know, when you're wearing a pad or a tampon, you, you feel so like weird. I feel like it's kind of freeing to wear the things because then I'm like, Hey, I'm just like, I'm just wearing normal underwear pretty much. And I find the first day because I have a heavy flow, the first day or two of my period, I have to switch out the underwear twice. But after that, I just wear one pair a day and you take them off and you rinse them out and you wash them in the delicate cycle and hang dry them. It's really convenient. I love them. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I've, they've been coming up a lot lately. I've been recommending. I, I've, because I went into menopause, I can't, I can't sample right. these things. So I'm like, okay, everybody, what do you think of this? So um, yeah, the Diva Cup, the Thinks Underwear I recommend. There's like reusable um, pads, pads you can do like cloth ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, really, really looking at that, that side of things. I think some, a lot of us f- uh, forget about that. They also have, um, ones that they'll just come to your door too. I think is it, oh, was it, can't remember the name of the, the different companies, but there's a lot of ones where it'll like a, a like a monthly delivery of your organic. T- right. Organic is so important because otherwise, like you said, the cotton is being sprayed with all these pesticides and now you're putting those pesticides up in your vajayjay. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and having people switch to organic, you know, even, even that, that switch, just having everything you eat is organic, uh, because we're in the middle of a huge food experiment and, and right. you know, is it, is it the, is it the wheat that's being sprayed? Is it like the wheat, soy and corn or two of the, of the three of the top crops that are sprayed with glyphosate, mm-hmm. um, and study after study link, you know, linking it back to, um, infertility and a whole host of other things. So going to organic, if that seems too much, you know, you can do the, the, the dirty dozen. So making sure at least those 12 foods are, um, are, are organic. Um, yeah. And then also looking at mindset, we work on, you know, again, months for people on, on mindset shifts. So like 99% of the thoughts you have today, you'll have the same ones again tomorrow. Um, and a lot of people I work with, they're um, typically like a left-brained, like medical science, um, logical accountant person, um, you know, go, 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 and they're achieving and doing all this stuff, and it's like masculine energy, and then so to kind of tap into the feminine side of things with going a little slower, going with the flow, which would be like, what do you mean going with the flow? That seems so counterintuitive. Counterintuitive, yeah. Yeah. Um, getting into your creative side and like that self care and then the slowing down, that kind of piece. So um, that we work on with people for, for months and you're, you're you're a life coach too. So like looking at your, your, your inner critic and just being aware of these thoughts that we have, because sometimes we don't even know we're having them and then kind of seeing the pattern and and instead of like stuffing it down inside, like letting it, letting it out 
and having a, like a safe space to do that. Yeah, so important. And I think this is, um, of course, anybody who's listened for a while knows coaching and therapy are two separate animals. They do have some overlap, but speaking to somebody, depending on you know your situation and whether you need more of a coach or you need more of a therapist, but having that person there that you could say these things to, who can help guide you to uh, rewiring that system that you have going on and can also keep you accountable because it's great if I come to you, Sarah, and say all of these things because you're my coach, but if I don't actually take action on any of them, it really doesn't matter because you know what? I'm going to still, like you said, have the same thoughts and you know feelings and reactions 90 days from now, five years from now, if I don't actually take the action to change them. Absolutely. Yeah. We uh, run a, a mindfulness fertility series. So I, I co-facilitate it with a, with a therapist and we, um, it's a six week program that starts tonight actually. And it just, it, it looks at those like shifting perspective and we add in hypnotherapy and it's all these different things throughout the six weeks where you're just being able to, to just get this little toolkit for yourself to be able to cope. Cause a lot of times with the infertility, you're in this very dark place mm-hmm. and it feels like you're, you're stuck while everyone in your life is passing you by, expanding their families, having children, and you're over here and it's not working. And you, and you potentially you're this type A that everything has worked and you're throwing yeah. everything at it. And, and then, then, you know, the cortisol and you're like all clenched up like this. So just being able to let, let it, let it go, but still being able to move, move forward with a, with a piece of that. So the, the, the mindset shifts are huge and there's, studies with uh, Alice Domar. She's the pioneer of, of uh, mind, uh, mind-body fertility. She's a Harvard researcher. And uh, women in her group, uh, within six months, 55% went on to become um, a mother. And then within um, two years, 95% did. So my, yeah. mindset alone is massive. Yeah. And so you said you host, host these, it's six weeks long. How often do you host it in case somebody's listening? And they're like, well, you said it just started when can I expect the next one? How would they be able to best get tapped into that? Yeah. So the first one, so this one just started in September and the next one starting in February. So we do it uh, twice a year. Awesome. So we'll yeah. definitely, um, we'll have all of Sarah's links and everything in the show notes, inspired podcast.com in case, cause I do know that we have a good, a good percentage of listeners who are struggling with fertility or have struggled with infertility. So this is a great resource for people. And I mean, I know people might be thinking, well, we've heard several times on the podcast about infertility. We need to keep having these conversations because in the past, there's been so much shame attached to infertility. There has been so much judgment. There has been so much misinformation where people are just ignorant of, you know, what, what causes infertility? What is infertility? What are the different things that, you know, different um, ways you can take? Because, like we talked about before, if you go to your doctor, they're not going to do all these tests that Sarah's talking about. They're going to say, here, you can go to the in vitro fertilization clinic, which is a great option if that is your only option. But if we're, if there's something we could do to kind of help somebody like not have to go that, that option, that's great. Or if it increases your chances of actually being, having your fertilized egg implanted, you know, we want to do that. So you know, having all these options are really important. So Sarah, why do you think that it is that you go to your OBGYN and you're talking, or even your primary care, and you're talking about these problems that they don't, they don't ask about any of these, any of these questions we talked about? 
Unless they're trained in functional medicine, they just don't know the, the, the benefit of, of looking at the whole body instead of just like treating the diagnosis, right? And you have a specialist for all these different things, your, your GI specialist, your, our, you know, your rheumatoid arthritis specialist, like, like there's all different specialists instead of like, wait a minute, let's look at the whole body. Yeah. And so, you know, functional medicine is the future of conventional medicine. It's, it's, it's grounded in science. Progressive, you know, medical doctors are moving to this model of, of treating their patients because they're sick of managing disease. And they want to prevent. So to me, it's, it's a grassroots shift, patient-driven, saying I'm not, not going to take the, the first referral to a fertility clinic where, look, I was fortunate to have both my children with donor eggs. Yeah. And science worked for me. But like if there's if there's something going on in your body and your body will whisper to it to you until it starts shouting in the form of disease, it's like, wait a minute, let's like back this thing up and see what else is going on. Is there a food sensitivity? Is there a gut infection? Is there some mi- the mind mindset stuff to work on? Instead of just going over there spending tens of thousands of dollars with a like a thirty percent success rate for, for an IVF and IOI is ten percent and 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 um, donor A's are fifty percent. So it's, it's not guaranteed and you're going to spend right. tens of thousands of dollars and you could be successful, but people that come to see me have tried for years and years and failed site. I got one person like six cycles of oh kept going God. back in, in and in and the heartache that's associated with that. And it's, it's just, if you look at you know, looking at the whole body, it's like, wait a minute, even though sometimes sure insurance will cover IVF, the heartache associated each time when it doesn't work. Yeah. And the strain on your body too. Yeah. You can't put a price on that. And it's, yeah, yeah the strain on your body, the, 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 the pleading of everything that you have because all those medications going in right. you. So um, it's there as an option. But if you look at this, you get to the root cause. I've had people that, you know, coming in with all sorts of thyroid issues and, and like a doctor hasn't even run a full thyroid panel because oh they God. just won't. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want to run one. Which because is unless like, you're sick and you have a disease, yeah. like a prevalent disease, they're not, they're yeah, not doing yeah, these yeah. tests. Yeah. So to ask for a full and looking at vitamin D, why is your vitamin D low? Most people we see it's like 20 to 30, whereas, you know, for conventional, for functional ranges, it's 60 to 80. So um, why is it low? Well, that's a mark of your immune system. What, what else is happening in there? So it's, it is to really dig deeper um, and, and to really be your own advocate and, I, I look at it as a, as a, and this is from Dr. Oz, where it's like that, that healing round table where you're in the center and you have your RE, your OBGYN, your fertility coach, your acupuncturist, your nutritionist, your masseuse, your chiro, like all these people, but you're in the center. And so yeah. instead of just kind of going, ooh, person in white in, you know, in the white coat, off we go. We have everybody, but we're in charge of it. And we're not just blindly going over here is to really, you know, educate and empower yourself. Yeah. We were taught, you know, you don't question what a doctor says because they're the ones with the MD and they're the ones yep. that know what they're talking about. But this is a whole, all the information that's come out in, I would say the last 10 years about your, your overall health. We're realizing that MDs, they're being taught information from like the sixties. Okay. It's we it's, it's so old and there's not really an update in the uh, different ways that they're, they're going about things. So we are getting treated, you know, 2018 disease and illnesses with 
1950s logic. Like it doesn't work. We know way more about the body nowadays than we ever have. We are continuing to learn new things every day. Like even nutrition, if you look at the, you know, government's nutrition uh, regulations and, and it's not, it's not even up to code, like with the new science about how fat doesn't make you fat and, you know, all of these things. Because that's they're they're so far behind that we need people like you, Sarah, who's going to say, "Hey, I'm on the up and up about the different things, you know, the the newest, greatest information out there. These are the kind of things that can harm, you know, help your fertility." Now, this is not again bashing those, like you said, it's a round table. We do yeah, need those primary care, yeah, those OBGYNs, but we also need the people who are more holistic, you know, approaches that can help us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in functional medicine, it's, it's MDs that are, that are moving over. So, cause people are like, Oh, this alternative medicine or, you know, it is like people that MDs that are like, I am done just writing up like prescribing. Let's right. get to the, let's get to the why. And it's testing with lifestyle changes. Cause you can't out supplement a crappy diet. If you're not sleeping, so you know, you're, it, it just doesn't work. So it is, and this stuff can take a little, you know, you can have results in a very short period of time. It can take a little bit, of, it can take a little bit of extra time too, depending on how, you know, what's going on with your health. So it is to really be patient with yourself. We have, we have a, we have a couple's coaching program and it's, it's, it's six months. So it's a six month minimum where to kind of make these, these changes to be able to, you know, if you've had it, if you're 35 and it's been going, you've had a food sensitivity your whole life and a gut infection, it, just, it takes time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I tell people that all the time. If you've had this one problem, I'm 32. If I've had this one problem for the majority of my life, it's going to take a long time for me to fix what, what happened. That's 32 years of me, you know, really nailing down this problem. <laughs> so it's going to take a little oh, while to pry yeah. it back up. Yeah. But yeah, it's poor fertility. It's like it takes 90 days for the egg to renew itself and the life cycle of the sperm is 70 to 80. So really in a short period of time, you can do like massive change to your to your health and your 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 fertility and hormones. So um, it's just to be patient. Sometimes I think at this stage, the magic pill is the fertility clinic. Mm -hmm. But with that, I didn't focus on my, on my preconception health. Both my kids have food sensitivities. Yeah. My health, my postpartum health was crap. I didn't have postpartum depression. I had postpartum... I look back postpartum anger. Like I was just irritable yeah. and cranky and, and just like on edge and trying to take care of like a little baby and then, a, then a, and a toddler. And I didn't even, I saw postpartum as depressed and crying and that wasn't me. Right. So it's really focus on preconception health, back it up to have a good postpartum period and have your children to be healthy too. Yeah. So by going through a program similar to your Sarah's or your program you're not just helping you conceive, but you're also helping you conceive a healthy baby because in psychology is very heavily linked to your physical health, right? And they talk about what's happening. And this makes me, when they talk about this in class, I'm like, oh my gosh, I messed up my kids so hard because they talk about when they're in utero, the things you're doing physically, mentally, emotionally are affecting that little baby inside of you like possibly permanently for the rest of their lives. It's kind of scary. But if they're, you're doing a program where you're getting on the right track, you're taking care of, you know, that preconception you, then logically conception you 
you know, and throughout your pregnancy, you would be using those same skills you've learned. And so your baby has a better chance. Yeah. Like both, both my kids are, have, they, my, my daughter had asthma. She had sinusitis. My son has, uh, he had asthma. Um, and, and also when he has gluten, you know, like strong, strong moods, like he's very angry. So it's like, and so both of them are dairy and gluten free, but you know, my daughter at 17 gets it. My 14 year old, he runs out and has yeah. pizza. Right. Dude. So now that's why you're, you are so angry. You know, this is what it's doing to you. You are a nice, calm guy. And when you have gluten, it just sets off the neural, like, like right. a just firestorm in your body. And, and we think, and the amount of his has friends that are on ADD medication and ADHD medication is staggering. So, yeah. um, and he is, he's gravit, he gravitates to, to that kind of person too, over and over again, the same right. type of person with on medication. Um, and he's not, and, um, but he'll go out and eat this stuff. And I'm just trying to say, that's not you. That's because right. you've had gluten and this is how it impacts you. It's very, very difficult to, to, to watch someone. Cause I am gluten, corn, dairy free, hundred percent. I don't right. deviate. He is different. So it's hard. It's hard. It is hard. And I want anybody listening is like that. Maybe they're thinking, oh man, like I did in psychology where I'm like, I screwed up my kids. We don't know what we don't know. No, we don't. Exactly. That's why we do podcasts like this and why we have people like Sarah on to share their stories because now we're learning and now we can say, okay, well maybe I'm done having children. Um, my oldest is 15. My middle daughter's nine and my twins are seven. I'm done. And I have my two. I had my tubes set. We went for baby number three and we got three and four at the same time. Oh and so I am done, but my kids someday are going to have children. So if I have this knowledge, I can pass this knowledge down to my children. Not now, because like I said, if I talk to my 15 year old daughter about don't eat this I, all the time, she comes home with these sugary drinks that she gets from school. I try to have conversations with her. It's like talking to a brick wall. Okay. But when she gets a little bit older and she's a little more open-minded and not this angry, crazy teenager, like, cause hormones are just special when they're teenagers is, is, you know, <laughs> you know, maybe my grandbabies, we can, you know, we can save the next generation if we, maybe we're done. Or like I said, there's some odd audience members who are listening that are trying currently to, you know, conceive. So we have that information knowledge is power. As we wrap up the podcast, Sarah, and this has been such a wealth of information, and it goes so wonderfully with the other podcasts we've done on infertility as well, what would you want the podcast audience to know? Yeah, I, I really think it's um, listening to your body. Like if your body, you know, it's, it's whispering, it's, it's, it'll start whispering to you when you ignore the signals, it starts shouting at you. So to really tune in to those other things going on in your body. It's not about the infertility diagnosis. It's looking at your whole body. And, um, and before you like just to, to really begin to heal and focus on your, on your, your preconception health. And I guess the one, like one tip would be to just start with going organic would be my biggest yeah. tip that, that, that alone is massive and don't have, you know, GM, GMO foods. <laughs> right. <laughs> because like you said, it's a big science experience experiment going on and we don't know what these new freaky things are doing to our food is how it's yeah. going to affect us. We won't actually know for like 10, 20 years. Yeah. Really and they're going to look back and go, what were we doing? What right. were we eating? Like just like basically shop the periphery of the grocery store. If it's in, if it's got a label that great grandma, like my, like Michael Pollan said, if great grandma's like, what is that? Don't eat right. it. 
Yeah. If you're looking at one, if you do decide to buy things that have labels and there's like 20 ingredients, put it back. If yeah. you can, if you don't know what those ingredients are, put them back. <laughs> like, it's mm. not real food at that point. It's just no. processed crap. Exactly. exactly. So Sarah, this has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing everything with my listeners. And I want to encourage everybody listening. If you, if you or someone you know is struggling with infertility, please listen to Sarah's podcast. Get a hold of her, connect with her. Um, she's going to have a wealth of information over there. And if you're listening to a podcast, it's an easy transition to listen to another one. That's right. <laughs> well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Inspired Women Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, share this out with your friends and family, and join us in the Inspired Women community on Facebook. I'll catch you next week.